Okay, so guys, I found this nice spider. Ooh. Oh, it's eating. is that a real spider? I thought it was a no. real spider. <laughs> no, it's, dude, my dad it's made out of beads. Instead of like catching spiders like a regular human being with a cup and a piece of paper, which is what I do because I'm normal. My dad just grabs them by the bodies and it, like leaps <laughs> them out. Like I'm still alive. I'm sorry. Like, Bye. I just murder spiders. Like I don't care. I just kill them. <laughs> like I can't handle killing bugs because there are gut squish everywhere, and that freaks me out. Oh, true. Especially flies. Flies are really squishy. Mm, ugh. I absolutely can't stand spiders, so if there's a spider, I will just sit petrified and hope it leaves. But if it moves, I will also freak out, so it's just, like, not good for anybody, <laughs> including the mm. spider. Wow, some people obviously didn't read, read Charlotte's Web as a kid. I read Charlotte's Web, and I was like, cool, I still hate spiders. Same. Yeah. Charlotte's, Charlotte's like this. There are like disgusting sausages are generally disgusting, but then bratwurst is delicious. You don't you like know? sausages? No. <laughs> I hate sausages. You're weird. I hate Although bratwurst are the best type. Hot dogs are kind of gross. If you, okay, real, normal, regular sausages, including bratwurst, are delicious. Hot dogs, I don't know what's up with them. Regardless, Charlotte's Bratwurst. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of... Thank you. Speaking of... I have no idea how to make this. <laughs> speaking of Bratwurst, how do you like Twilight? Oh, wait, we're not recording Twilight. Oh, wait, The Fault in Our Stars. Wait, stuff. we're not. Oh, speaking of Bratwurst, which had its origins in Europe, we're moving oh, on it, to The Fault yeah. in Our Stars. In which they make out and have sex in Europe. Woo! Wow! Wow! <laughs> Nice. Where did the bratwurst come in? <laughs> oh. 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 That's a lot of time. My name is Kim Kardashian. I can work it. Hello and welcome to Dear YA Authors, where four friends read and review books in the young adult genre and then rewrite them in an attempt to improve them. We're your hosts, Adriana, <laughs> Priyanka, Erin, and Sky. Today we're reading Twilight, written by. Oh crap, that's not it. <laughs> written by Sean Green. <laughs> yes, everyone drumroll. It's that one cancer book with a title equally as pretentious as the characters and potentially unrealistic standards for romance. You know it. You may like it, but you probably don't. <laughs> the Fault in Our Stars by John Green! Woo! 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 Yay! Wow, this is I'm so, so awkward. <laughs> now I love our energy. Guys, right now. guys, the spikes in my audio is like... <laughs> that's the best part when i laugh yeah. my audio just goes like through the roof <laughs> imagine being able to see your audio i'm sorry sky <laughs> okay so let's start let's start talking about about the book the wait should we start with our thoughts yeah like okay so like a summary of my thoughts i feel like it's such an org over yeah. Overglorified novel. It's just like not interesting. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like sad at the end, but the beginning is just like 
who are these people, you know? Why are they here? Why do they exist? Why do we care about them? And lastly, <laughs> why do they talk like this? Honestly. Valid. <laughs> um, yeah. I actually didn't really mind the book that much, and I like the some of the ideas presented. I just think that some of the cancer stuff was a little unnecessary, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Agreed. I think I hated it not very much. Which is surprising considering I hate romance. Um, and it was a little boring, but it did have a nice vibe going through. It felt kind of slice of lifey in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. I didn't mind it. It was somewhat <coughs> relaxing. And then it got sad at the end and I was like, oh. Okay, moving on. Your thoughts? Um, I thought I thought it was kind of boring, not gonna lie. Um, I also thought the relationship went way too fast. Like, way too fast. I- it could have happened if it were drawn out over a period of, you know, months. But you don't just fall in love with somebody within a week. Yeah, I actually have some thoughts oh. on that, but later. I did think that the way he wrote the end was good, like how, spoiler alert, Gus dies. Um, how Gus died slowly. I just think the way he portrayed that was really well. Really good. I think it was written really well. It's just, like, very unrealistic in the fact that nobody talks the way they talk, and it was kind of, like, everything that happened was just, like, whoa, where did that come from? But it was, like, the writing style was good. I like John Green's writing style. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally agree. Okay. Well, the plot. The plot, the plot, the plot. So, the book starts with 17-year-old Hazel Grace Lancaster. She ha- She's a cancer patient with cancer in she has thyroid cancer and uh lung cancer and she attends a support group and she does it regularly one day she meets some (coughs) you good one day she meets someone new uh one augustus waters there to support his friend isaac they hit it off there's like a meet cute where they're like Mm, deep things, deep thoughts. Oh. <laughs> and then what was after the hair? I hate that. If you if you for those of you that didn't see me do that cuz this is audio, I like I like did this weird like sexy move with my hair. It's like what every single character, every single female character in Victorious does when they dance. <laughs> if you've ever seen Victorious, half of their dancing is just them like rubbing their hair around on their heads awkwardly. Or it like, makes me really like the DJ girl from Camp Rock with like her like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just basically Disney Channel sexy dancing. Yeah. After the, so back to the book. After the meeting ends, Augustus tells Hazel that she looks like Natalie Portman from V from Vendetta, and invites Hazel over to his house to watch the movie. So he's, like, hitting on her. And after they hang out, they discuss their cancer. Hazel had thyroid cancer, and Augustus has osteosarcoma, but now he's cancer-free after having his leg amputated. Okay, that's a good chunk of the book. Let's discuss. What were your thoughts thus far? Hazel, relationship goes too fast. They were talking for... (laughs) <laughs> two minutes and then she's like oh, oh mom i'm going to his house that sounded kind of like mickey mouse mickey mouse <laughs> like oh. i thought mickey mouse i heard yeah oh yeah it did sound kind of like mickey mouse as well 
you know, I think that I think that my one justification for the pacing of the relationship is the fact that they, or at least Hazel thinks she's gonna die and she feels like it's her only chance at it, so she's grabbing at it, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's very similar. It's really funny. I assume it was intentional the way John Green wrote it, but when they're talking after the meeting, they watch Isaac and his current girlfriend, like, violently making out against some, like, brick wall. You Poor know, wall. Aggressively. <laughs> and they're like, oh, blah, blah, cancer. I don't know if they actually say that. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, and then they immediately go do the same thing. Essentially. Yeah. But, like, emotionally-wise. Like- mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they emotionally make out. <laughs> <laughs> they make out with their brains. That... Oh, oh no, I just picture, like, they someone's read. brain, like, coming out of their forehead and, like, attacking <laughs> someone else's brain. <laughs> That's Yeah, horrifying. like, their brains are just, you know, those in Harry Potter, the fifth book of Harry Potter, when there are just a bunch of brains in a tank, and then you're like, I was thinking about that, except the two brains are just stuck <laughs> together. I do not like that. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of, also. Well, I also think that it's a little weird that... His her her mom was just like oh yes go to the stranger's house this makes this makes sense yes 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 I think when you said about like Hazel be, Hazel thinking that she's gonna die so she kind of wants to have a relationship well it, it, she's gonna die sooner if Gus turned out to be a murderer like hello <laughs> but that, there's like there's like layers to it though I feel like Sky there's like Top layer. I want to date someone. I don't want to die without... I don't want to die a virgin. Layer two. I'm gonna die anyway, so if he's a serial killer, then... Oh god, I was gonna make a really bad Lana Del Rey uh, reference. Make it anyway, coward. Do it. (laughs) Okay, well, if he's a serial killer, then what's the worst that could happen to a girl who's already hurt? That song slaps. Yes, it does. <laughs> Which is why it's not bad that I made that reference. Anyway. Um, and then layer, like, three. They have this immediate chemistry. And they are, like, bonded over the fact that they, f- they like, like the same things, you know? So. No, that's realistic. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I think that there's, like. That's the top layer, and then below that, she just doesn't... She wants to live every experience she can as much as... Mm. As fast as possible. Lastly, she doesn't care if she dies sooner than later. Mm. I feel like... Because, you know, the novel is extremely defeatist. Mm. Is one of my biggest qualms yeah. with it. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of her reasons to just go. Yeah, not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm but sorry. I feel like she should... Like, it, that should have been in her inner dialogue if he want... If the author wanted to make that clear. That's true. That's true. But, like, I feel like you just think, oh, stupid teenage girl being stupid. Uh I mean, I guess partially it is that. Yeah. Yeah. It still is, so. Kids kids be dumb. Teenage girls. Can we also talk about teenage everyone? And I'm sure her mom didn't know that that was the first time they had met. Like, because I bet her mom doesn't, like, keep tabs on who's in the support group. I'm sure (laughs) she thought that he already knew her or something. Yeah, that's true. Okay, can we talk about their first introduction and how pretentious Gus is? And how much, like, if I were Hazel, I would want to slap him in the face. 
Especially with his little cigarette and he's like, I put it between my lips, but I don't give it the power to kill me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you're not you're not big brain. You just sound stupid. I mean it's clever, but it's annoying. I wouldn't have thought of it, but at the same time, get it out of my house. You know, I think John Green's Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think I think John Green's like spiciest take in this book is that death doesn't make you like like you know how people are like, death made me realize that I have to tell all my friends and family how much I love them daily. You know, near death experiences, but John Green's spicy take is that death makes you think like you're from the 20s um i just looked up natalie portman in v for vendetta and she doesn't really look like what i imagined hazel to look like or what hazel looks like in the movie just my opinion wait i need to google this now portman Portman v for if they really wanted someone who looked like natalie portman they should have just gotten natalie portman to play Hazel. oh my god that would be so big-brained why didn't they do that (laughs) Because it's, like, a high-budget film, I'm sure. I feel like, I feel like, though, if someone even vaguely resembled this, you would say they look like that. Especially if you were, like, trying to get with them. (laughs) You know? Mm. For, like, flirtatious purposes, you'd be like, You kind of look like Natalie Portman from V from Vendetta. I mean, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know. I'm sorry, that slurpy noise. It just... mm, mm. Don't like it. Every time that you do it, Priyanka, every time it kills me. <laughs> like I think, okay. I think I just die a tiny bit on the inside because it makes me uncomfortable. Same. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Priyanka cannot be contained. Yep. Okay. So the next. Okay. So Augustus gives Hazel his favorite book, which is a really shooty shooty <laughs> pew pew book called. Okay. Wait. Hold up. That is the most like. Stereotypical toxic masculine kind of book. Okay, it feels very yeah. Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. I, I've it's, never played Call of Duty. Don't attack me. There's nothing wrong with that that kind of stuff, but it's just the most cliche thing he could have given mm-hmm. Gus. Um, he yeah, it's called The Price of Dawn, and there's apparently a lot of shooting and blood and sex. And Ooh. Hazel recommends an Imperial affliction, which is about a girl who. Okay, wait, we'll get to that later. If you if I sit there and tell you about my favorite book, I'm in love with you. Just saying. Okay. Oh God, um, are you in love oh, with all of us? Thank you, Priyanka. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, actually. I bought you your favorite book. I feel like I should win, yeah. win this competition for Priyanka's Sky love. Sky is my one true love. Oh, I texted Sky yesterday. I was like, Sky, please, if I ever get married, you have to slap me in the face and be like, no. No. Why? Because I, I feel like marriage is so scary. It's like, like I feel like I'm not a marriage person. Oh, mm-hmm. I have my own thoughts about marriage. I'm just going to live alone with my dog. Like, that's the best mm-hmm. life, you know? No, I, I want to live with a person forever because I don't want to die. I don't want to be serial killed, but, you know. But, like, uh, someone that you're in a romantic relationship with or just, like, Dep- Depends on, like, where I'm at with my life. It'll always be somebody. If I'm not in a romantic relationship, then a roommate, yeah. I would and vibe oh dying God, they alone, were roommates. but a cool roommate. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Honestly? <laughs> okay, so Imperial Affliction is a book about a girl named Anna who has cancer, and it's the only account she's 
read of living with cancer that matches her experience. The book ends mid-sentence. Hazel yearns for closure knowing that the author, Peter Van Houten, moved to Amsterdam after the book was published. So, you're kind of supposed to assume the girl died. Or, like, got too sick to continue writing or, like, whatever, you know? So what what are your thoughts on the book? on Or, like, Hazel's I, attachment to the book? No, I think it's pretty justified and legit. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was kind of a cliche kind of book, like, calm, peaceful, slice-of-life book that, like, that he could go with, but it makes sense that she's attached to a character she can relate to. Yeah, I, I liked... Like, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Are you I sure? I wasn't gonna say anything genius. Right <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, I like the, the little details where she's like, so what happens to the stepfather or the mother's boyfriend? I forgot mm-hmm. which he was. Mm-hmm. She was, like, so obsessed. She's the like, Dutch flower man. Yeah, the Dutch flower man. Those little details were really funny to me for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have that kind of attack because I've, I've, like, struggled with a lot of, like, mental illness stuff and I have that kind of attachment with a lot of books that deal with it. So, like, I kind of feel Hazel's vibes with the Imperial Affliction. So, like, I think it's justified a cool book for her. I can also relate to having fictional characters that you attach to because they're like you. Um, I can't really relate to that because I feel like I'm one and only, so... (laughs) Oh my god, you're so quirky. No, I'm joking. It's it's just because I, like, I just don't relate to a lot of people. Or I try not to, like, self-insert in books. Often, though, I will get attached to characters in books who look like me because there isn't a lot of Indian American representation in a lot of novels. So, like, whenever there is or even a hint of a character that is Indian in a book, I'll just be like, she's mine now. That is mine. Mine. (laughs) My new favorite. Yes. I claim. Yes. Yes, mine. Um, okay. So, Augustus reveals. So, they're on the phone after... Augustus finishes the book. He reveals on the phone that he tracked down Van Houten's assistant, Liedvig. Liedvig? Liedvig? Liedvig. How do you... It's I think it's Liedvig. L-I-D-E-W-I-J. Yeah, I think it's Liedvig. Liedvig. I think it was, uh, like, spelled how it was said in the book. Yeah, but Liedvig. We don't know if John Green was right. Okay, and through her, he's been able to start an email correspondence with the author. He shares Van Houten's letter with Hazel, and she writes a list of questions to send to Van Houten, hoping to get answers to what happens to everyone. Van Houten eventually replies, saying he could only ever answer Hazel's questions in person, for they are too grand and too big to answer in, 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 in an email. And invites her to stop by if he's ep- she's ever in Amsterdam. Okay, your thoughts on that? Because I have a thought. Part of his reasoning for that is that he's like, I don't want anybody to, like, copy what I said and leak it to the world. And, like, you can still do that if you say it in person. Like, you can easily just be yeah. like, <laughs> Peter Van Houten said that this is what happened to Anna. I was confused, but I was like, alright, that's fine. Um... One thing that I do want to say about this is the fact that it was very clear, like, at least to me, even when I was first reading this book, when way back when, <laughs> it was very obvious to me that Peter Van Houten just didn't want to respond to Hazel, you know? Like, he did either didn't know the answers or, like, wanted to keep them to himself. I wouldn't have gone to Amsterdam, personally, you know? I wouldn't have pursued that. Because 
the phrasing of the email is like, leave me alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt like a mocking, oh, um, I can't tell you over email, they are simply too grand, I just couldn't tell you over email. And also, maybe if you're ever in Amsterdam, probably knowing that she's not going to end up to Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Even though she does, but, like, that's a different problem. Yeah, it seems like he intentionally phrased it that way to be nice, but, like, like to let her down easy. Which is what he claims he did in the later books. But literally, that that is what, in my brain, I interpreted from the email that I read, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought it was just weird old man being weird. I mean, he is a weird old man being weird. (laughs) I, if if it were just Hazel that he told, and Hazel went out and told the world, there's no verification, there's no, like, did the author really say that? You, you know how all, in in fandoms all sorts of rumors True. are started, and if you can't get it verified by the author, then it's not canon. Mm-hmm. But if he had put it in writing, then it would have to be considered canon. I just thought, I just thought he was phrasing it in a way, I mean, I don't know if there's, like, a fandom for the Imperial Affliction first. Second... I just thought that he was just, like, phrasing in a, in a way that was, like, please don't talk to me ever again. Like, I don't want to tell you these things. That, that's what it sounded like, but he was saying it very nicely. Like, if you, if you ever m- somehow manage to get to this part of the world, which you won't because you will die, um, then, then maybe we can discuss, but not right now. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Okay. So, Hazel is extremely very sad by this. So, Augustus hatches a plan... And takes Hazel out on a picnic and tells her that the Genie Foundation, which is basically the Wish Foundation, but not copyrighted, (laughs) is taking them to Amsterdam. He also shames her for using her old wish from a child time to go to Disney World. Disney World's the best, though. It's kind of a crappy thing to shame her for. Like, she wanted to go to Disney World. Like, dude, I'd rather go to Disney World than Amsterdam any day. Sorry, I'm yeah. just like a. I, Actually, I, the, I would rather go to Universal. I have the mentality of like a three year old. So anything Disney <laughs> okay, is better I had than anything else something. in the world. If if I had to choose anything, like if I had a wish, um, of the options that we put out here, I would like to put out another one, which is Six Flags. Mm. Second, I would choose Amsterdam because guys, like, imagine getting an all-paid trip to Europe where you can eat at fancy restaurants for free. I thought that was paid yeah, for, like, I would choose something that's not Disney World, but Hazel was, you know, 10 or 11, she so... Was she was 13. Oh, she was? Yeah. But you can have fun at any age. In- no, you can't. Yeah. Disneyland... Okay, listen. Disneyland is, like, 50%, and depending on how crowded it is, it's, like, 50 to 90% waiting in line. Like, and then for, like, mediocre roller coasters. And then if you're lucky, you get to, like, be like, hello to Mickey Mouse, you know? And then it's, like, kind of aesthetic, and you can take, like, an Instagram picture, maybe. Okay, in my defense, okay. I only went to Disney World, and that was when I was, like, seven. Can I rebuke that, Yeah, please? Yeah, Pri- Priyanka, you've been there multiple times, so it's kind of worn off, hasn't it? Uh, no, that's, that's not true. I've been to Disney World... I, I've been to Disney World when I was younger, and I went to Disneyland once recently and once when I was very little. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. I'm a person who goes to Disneyland, like, once or twice a year. <laughs> oh, so wow. that just might be my own bias. But 
I think there are, like, people who do that and will always love it, but the, the problem is, is when you go so frequently... Yeah, true. You, you always, like, you've done everything. Whereas if you go, like, I'm in, like, the happy medium of that I've been enough so I can remember everything about Disneyland, mm-hmm. but also I wasn't able to do anything because I spent so lo- long in the heat uh, yeah. waiting in line. Going in the summer isn't fun. Definitely. No, it's oh, not. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't go in Pro the summer. Pro tip, don't go during July or early August. Try to go late August if possible because California heat in Anaheim is sometimes very hot. Yeah. I think we went in, like, November. It was nice. Yeah. All the Californians were wearing coats. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, unfortunately, right before... Uh, they're about to leave to Amsterdam, or, like, in in some sort of bad timing. Uh, Hazel's lungs fill with liquid due to cancer things, and she has to go to the ICU. After she's released, she's even more determined to go to Amsterdam, but her parents and doctors don't think she's strong enough. One of the doctors manages to convince her parents to travel and live her best life probably breaking some of the hip like some part of the hippocratic oath and or some other doctor rules because that seems like um parenting a parenting decision not a doctor decision Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so they eat themselves to amsterdam and have a magical lunch at a fancy restaurant when they meet van hooten they're shocked to discover that van hooten is a meaty bad bad man (laughs) with a drinking problem who insists he can't answer any of their questions, but actually happens to, like, give them some good answers while they're at the... there. And then Liedwig, the very epic assistant lady, quits and takes them to the Anne Frank house, where they make Um. out (laughs) and are applauded by others there in true 2012 Tumblr post fashion. They go to their hotel and then they have sex. You might want to mention that uh, the assistant, whose name I can't pronounce and I'm not going to try, resigned because Peter was just being um, face. awful to Gus and Hazel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, he was, he was saying things that you should never say to any person, even if they are extremely pretentious. <laughs> yes. I did really like the writing of the conversation between Van Uten and um, Hazel and Gus, though, because I feel like it was very realistic writing, and I feel like their reactions were also very realistic. Um, yeah. So, yeah. My spicy take. I And now, the, re- the, the real part of this... Wait, actually, I have another we- bit Ooh, okay, on Priyanka, go. Van Houten. Oh. I really liked that Peter Van Houten is a, is a bad man because it made me happy that there was, like, an actual well-written realistic character in this book with actual flaws other than a physical, like, ailment. But I felt really awful for Gus and Hazel. Um, but then he turned out to also be pretentious because he made the Dutch flower man God and then everything that I liked about him went out the window. Because every character in this book is pretentious, and I was like, no, no, you've robbed me of good things. Why? And now, now actually, is it's time to discuss the, 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 the real big surprise in this chunk. They freaking make out at the Anne Frank house. Yeah. Ooh. 
And everybody's like, oh, hormonal teenagers, yay. Yeah, I didn't. There's my Mickey Mouse voice again. <laughs> I, I also didn't like that very much. I don't think I like anything about their relationship at all. I at all. I'm just uncomfortable with like the fact that they did that, and and Hazel's thought process being like, well, Anne was in love with Peter in this house, so it's fine. <laughs> it's like, okay, but. <laughs> Anne wasn't actually in love with Peter. She was just horny, bro. I'm just <laughs> kidding. And we're not we're not saying this because like oh ho ho, we're making assumptions. We read the diary and we were able to talk with someone who has studied all the versions of her of Anne's diary and knew her personally. Mm-hmm. And so she she was the one who told us that Anne was decided that she wanted to drop Peter and focus on her writing career. Yeah, and she wasn't particularly like in love with him. She was just like, this is a man, and uh, he is here, and he seems to be taking an interest in me, period. Let's see where this goes. You know? And then he just, she was just like, nah, nah, fam. Not more. And then, also, I think the thing that I hate most about it is, is the idea of cancer perks in this book. Because I don't think that exists in real life. And then that's. Gl- I think it does to an extent, mm-hmm. not to the extent. I mean, that I'm they sure, like, this book. but not to the extent that they do in this book. Also, why are we even considering if they do exist? You know what I mean? Why would we consider that side of cancer at all? Because that's a horrible thing. That's like a disease that people have, and there should be no such thing as cancer perks because they're gonna die anyway. Like, like that's. It's killing them. Yeah. So why are we considering cancer perks, quote-unquote? And why is cancer only a convenience in this novel? Like, when when it's like, when something unreasonable happens, it's just like an explanation for the unreasonable thing. It's like, oh, they made out in the in the Anne, uh, Anne Frank house in uh, the Netherlands, and then everybody applauded them. Oh, it's because they had cancer, and it was like, oh, look, two kids with cancer who are falling like, in love. That's great. Wow. Like Gus is Gus is a terrible driver. He should not have gotten a license. Oh, but he has cancer. Never mind. Yeah, I don't think they're crashing into straight up things. Like that is not a slight thing that someone could overlook for a kid with cancer, which you shouldn't be doing anyway. But maybe, um, he just straight up was just driving like a maniac, like worse than I would the first day in my in a car. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, don't give that man a license. He like hits a trash can. On the side of the road after having driven for like two years, like mm-hmm. fam, I I didn't even hit a trash can the first time I drove ever. I've never hit a trash can. Like also, I don't drive, but that's I like am afraid of driving, so I try not to drive ever. But regardless, how bad do you have to be at driving, fam? Why did you give him a license? He's gonna kill people. Especially when it's, like, a government institution and not, like, a private business. Like, the government is like, oh, you have cancer, we'll give you a license even though you probably failed your driving test, like, seven times. (sighs) (laughs) Oh my god. And the champagne, too. That simply doesn't exist. Okay, well, talking just a little bit more to, uh talking about like the cancer aspect of this book if you read the little 
acknowledgements or disclaimer at the end of the book, one thing that he wrote was that he got medical advice from an actual medical, some actual medical professionals, but he ignored most of it. So the cancer in this book isn't even realistic. Like, that's not what cancer is like. Oh. So Wait, why did he ignore it? It was, like, to his convenience. Like, if something oh. realistically wouldn't happen but is a plot convenience and he wanted it to happen, then he would make it happen. So that goes along with the romanticization of illness in books. Yeah. Just, like, don't don't romanticize illness. Like, I feel like this could have been a great love story if they didn't have cancer. Or, like, if one of them had cancer. What was the point of making Hazel have cancer? They could be, like, a group therapy session. Like, a normal group therapy, not a cancer support group. And everything would be the same and probably make more sense. I agree. I agree. I I, th- I think that... Y- no, sorry. I feel like we might be going the same direction. So you go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think you can write a good love story where the two main characters that are following love have cancer. Um, I just think that... Y- you can't just make the cancer be mainly for convenience, which Hazel's kind of was. I think that I... W- Plot-wise. Plot I think mm-hmm. that I want to say is that you definitely can do that, and I think that this book was brilliantly written. I just wish that either he had made the cancer completely, like, irrelevant to the romance, or, or he had made the cancer the driving force of the romance, not just, like, a halfway in between where the cancer is the driving force of the plot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, so that the cancer isn't a plot convenience. I read this really good story um, about... Well, it was a love story um, uh, where one character had a fatal illness and the other character didn't. And they were, like, in hospital and falling in love. And it was a really well written because... They were falling in love, but it wasn't because of the illness. The illness was just another part that they had to deal with. I think that's how it should be done. The cancer did have a little bit of contribution, um, I think, beside plot convenience, where there are parts during Hazel's like narration where she explains um, how the thought of her eventually dying, and probably fairly soon within a few years, affects how she thinks about the relationship. Um, And I think at the beginning of the book, when she starts getting into the relationship with Hazel, or with Gus, she's not in a relationship with herself, uh, where she's like, oh, I'm, look at this healthy boy, and I'm the one with cancer, and I'm gonna die soon. I'm about to go off like a grenade, I think was the word she used. Um, That's what she, that's what she said. Yeah. Yeah. And then later in the book, when, um, we'll get there later too, but later in the book when Gus, Gus's cancer returns and he's conditioned to deteriorate so quickly, she, she's like, oh no, Gus is the grenade now, I'm no longer the grenade. Yeah. Even though, I mean, they're both kind of the grenade, but, like, that was interesting to read about, the way it was written, because it, again, John Green does write really well, but it's not, like, like you guys said earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that was like a small emotional story rather than a. There could have been a different emotional story, is what I mean. <clears throat> like, plot wise, she didn't need to have cancer. So, Augustus confesses that while Hazel was in the ICU, he had a body scan which revealed the cancer has returned and spread everywhere. Hazel is very sad and, and 
as we talk about the grenade thing that she feels switches, they return to Indianapolis. Augustus's condition deteriorates quickly. In his final days, Augustus arranges a pre-funeral for himself, and Hazel and Isaac give eulogies. Hazel steals a line from Van Houten about larger and smaller infinities. She says how much she loves Augustus. I think that the way Augustus's body deteriorates was really good, and yeah, it made me feel all sorts of things. It made me really sad. I wasn't particularly attached to the characters, but there's something that really gets me about seeing someone who used to be very lively just wither away. Yeah, and I think that was written really well, both physically and mentally. I I agree. I think that their love was very nice. And one other thing that I would change, honestly, was if they had known each other beforehand, it would have made a lot more sense, the whole book. Yeah. Because he, he, I don't know whether this is compelling for some people, he gives the emotions of, he gives Hazel and Gus the emotions of two lovers who've loved for a very long time. I don't know whether that's compelling to some people, where which is like like the true love idea, but to me it's not considering the fact that it's just unrealistic, you know? I think I might have a spicy take about this. I don't know if I believe in true love. I think it's something you have to work for. It doesn't just happen. I think I believe in, like, true infatuation, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, you can be attracted to someone immediately. Uh, You're not going to love them immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's like the concept of soulmates. You... you have to work to make a relationship work. It's not going to be perfect. I think there there's the idea that there's, like, people in the world that are 100% compatible with you, but you aren't, gonna, you aren't like, soulmates per se. Like, you aren't going to find each other. You still have to work at, a, like, a romance and, a, like, a like a life <laughs> together, you know? Yeah, I think soulmates is just a concept that humans made up because relationships are hard and we want to make it easy. Yeah. Coming... But it's not coming from. Okay. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay, we're getting too deep. Moving on. Wow, so, you guys have such deep thoughts about love. I have a nun. <laughs> sorry to disappoint. Augustus dies eight days later. Van Houten is at the funeral. He explains that he and Gus maintained correspondence and that Augustus demanded Van Houten make up for ruining the trip to Amsterdam by coming to his funeral to see Hazel. Van Houten abstractedly reveals that the, fa- the fate of Anna's mother but Hazel is not interested. A few days later, Isaac informs Hazel that Augustus was writing something for her. He'd hinted about a sequel to Imperial Affliction for her, and Hazel scrambles to locate the pages she, she, and she encounters Van Houten once more. He drunkenly reveals that Anna was the name of his daughter who died of cancer when she was eight, and the book was a coping method to deal with her death. Hazel tells Van Houten to sober up and write another book. <laughs> Bruh. Eventually, Hazel learns that Augustus sent pages to Van Houten because he wanted Van Houten to use the pages to write a eulogy about Hazel. Liedwig forces Van Houten to read the pages and send them straight off to Hazel. I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that name wrong. And it sounds I, relatively accurate. Yeah, I think you're I right. Feel, I, I feel like I need to try, but I feel really bad if it's wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, Hazel reads Augustus's final words. 
He says that getting hurt in this world is inevitable, but we do get to choose who we allow to hurt us and that he's happy with his choice and he hopes she likes her choice too. She does. And the book ends. Spoiler alert. She does Spoiler alert, as if we haven't been going, like, <laughs> plot point by plot point through the entire book. <laughs> spoiler alert, uh, guys. In case you haven't realized, this is Gus not and a, Hazel were in love. Yeah, this isn't a spoiler-free um, podcast. Podcast. At all. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how we would do this spoiler-free at all. But, you know. Okay, so final thoughts on the end of the book. I thought it was sweet. Okay, Hazel was way too cold to Van Hooten. I feel like I would forgive him once he reveals the thing about his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I may not, maybe not forgive him, but just understand him a little bit more. But then again, you have to think about Hazel's perspective. She's grieving. She's not, like, in her... Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say this. She's, like, not in her right mind, in a way. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And she's probably still holding on to that trip. With Gus as like near and dear to her heart, and like the like the last time that like yeah. she really was happy with him, not happy, but like the last time that he was healthy with her and like happy, and they were together. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Oh wait, this is a very very small plot point, but Isaac's girlfriend Monica breaks up with him because he's going to be blind. He has to get some surgery, and that will result in his being blind. And I think they're just, just removing his awful. eye completely. Yeah, they just... Yeah, but, like, dang, that's that's a terrible reason to break up with someone. Yeah, I felt really bad for Isaac the entire time, and I I did like Isaac and Gus's friendship, because it did seem really genuine, um, but then there are moments where you're like, well, maybe Hazel shouldn't be interrupting this, because uh, Isaac is going through some really tough times, and then your best friend is... While trying to comfort you, he's also trying to seduce some girl that he just met at your cancer support group. Isaac is the best character in this book. I am not taking arguments. I agree. Um, Leithvig, though? I kind of stand Debatable. Yeah. Okay. I feel like- But Isaac. I feel like Isaac's the best, like, funny character. Leithvig's, like, the best person, morals-wise, I guess. I agree with that. I mean, speaking of morals- I guess it's time to read my fanfics, because I talk a lot about morals in there for sure. Yep. Okay. Woo-woo. That's 100% accurate. I definitely think about morals in my fanfics, because I'm big brain. No. No, I don't. (laughs) My socks. Ooh, socks. Okay. That is a foot. Hello. Wow, we they're we nice did socks so good, though, guys. They're, they're like they're comfy. They look nice. They feel nice. I also, we did so good with discussion, but I feel like it's mostly because we barely remember the book. I remember the book. Wait, have you guys I'm, read it before? Uh, yeah, but I I like forget details really quickly. Were either of you ever one of those okay okay kids? No. With the blue clouds, no. that drove me bonkers, man. Oh, I didn't mind it that much. I didn't understand it. So I didn't understand it, but everyone hyped it up so much, and they put that stupid quote on every single library wall. Oh my gosh, at the book Literally fair, too. Literally bonkers. That one, or, um, oh, the places you'll go. Oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> okay, okay is barely, like, that's so easily skimmed over with little to no, like, literally no effect on your reading experience. I'll be honest. The first time I read it, I didn't even pick it up. Same! I reread it to write the, um, to, like, go through and do the summary. 
And then I was like, oh, wait, what is that? Is that the okay, okay thing? <laughs> and then I was like, uh, why yeah, did everyone water? pick out this one tiny insignificant detail? And we're like, this is what will market this. Because it's there always. Ugh, always was <sighs> such a bad part. Oh my gosh, hi guys, we're back. Or you're back to me. Um, you're here now because we just kept talking for like two hours, and I know that cutoff place didn't really make any sense, but we're cutting it off there because we talked about many other things that didn't really have to do with the fall in our stars, so we're just gonna cut that off right there. Bye! So, um, I guess this is it for the first episode, and I hope you enjoyed that. I liked it, or at least I liked recording it, and it was uh, super fun to record, and so I guess that's it. I hope you had fun. Bye! Bye!